Welcome to your Living Life Legacy Matters broadcasting network powered by the Faith-Based Cause Initiative and NRM streaming streamcast. Um, this is uh, quite a day for all of us, and uh, I want to frame this particular uh, conversation that we're wanting to have with you, uh, and we want you to uh, think about us having this conversation with you and reflect on the fact that this is not a uh, conversation that we're talking um, at you. We want to talk with you. We want you to listen with us and with me primarily because our guest today um, is uh, a person that I am so thankful to um, Jehovah God for uh, the opportunity to really, really um, interview a, a, a honorable individual that has transcended from just uh, you know education to uh, and when I say transcended, I mean taking education, being able to understand how the importance of trades. Uh, my father Odell Jones came to Detroit from Montgomery, Alabama, obviously early on in his life because he could get a job, a job at Ford Motor Company. And uh, the whole labor movement was not really uh, noted by uh, most individuals of how significant it really uh, was to taking people to a different class in terms of financial uh, stability than they would uh, ever uh, been able to achieve without the merger of the trades embracing uh, really the African American community. Our guest basically moved uh, through that entire time transition into the legal side of things, being an attorney that actually was an attorney for the people, uh, you know, for the people. And it's so challenging to be a t an attorney, I'd imagine, for the people because there's a lot of ways you can make money as an attorney, but they may not be <laughs> in the way to make money for the people. Uh, the benefit of the people, so it's 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 a challenge staying the course. Uh, this particular uh, special guest, an honored guest of the faith-based cause initiative that I'm going to introduce you to, even took things for, uh, further to be appointed uh, as a judge. You know, to actually uh, wrestle through the political process at the same time in uh, seeing uh, so many elected positions uh, being uh, struggles and fights uh, that had to be engaged in at the grassroots level, you know, where you really uh, get a little bloody, you know, you get a little hurt because the cause is so strong, you know, the cause is so strong that the, the how-to becomes just uh, a, not even a thought process, you just have to push things through. And so he's a walking uh, legend uh, for, for me and for all our listeners, and doing Black History Month, we want us to take a look at the people that are still walking around because this particular uh, person uh, as our chairman, um, uh, Mr. Garland, and our, our co-chair, Dr. Passaway, who roughly says, even though they're at a certain stage in their life, they're, 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 they're still going. I mean, they got gas in their tank, and they know that they need to use that fuel and keep refueling to fight the good fight. And the particular uh, guest that I'm going to introduce you to has all the types of uh, if you would, uh, tools in his tool belt to help us all be better human beings based on the life that he's lived. So when we talk about a life legacy, 
we talk about uh, your living life legacy matters, we're saying it really matters. And so I'm going to introduce you to a, a, a life that's well lived and it continues to be an example, at least for the faith-based causes. And we'll hope you'll see in the conversation for you and your children especially. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, help me welcome the Honorable Adam Shakur. Um, Your Honor, how are you today? I'm doing fine, thank God, and uh, it's a pleasure to uh, be with you. Uh, Your father uh, and I were good friends, as uh, many of the uh, pastors and ministers in the Detroit area. And interestingly, sir, we made the journey from Alabama, my dad, and uh, uh, his cousin had a job at Ford's. Okay. And that was uh, how we got here in okay. terms of uh, our lives. Um, of course, I wasn't born in Alabama, but uh, I was born here in Detroit. But my dad had made it here maybe a couple of years earlier. And uh, that was uh, the way in which so many of our uh, people uh, were able to elevate uh, their families' lives uh, by getting good jobs, good union uh membership. Uh, they fought hard for it, and it's just a pleasure. Uh, so many people in Detroit had their, um, I guess, first uh, major uh, stabilizing jobs uh, in the Detroit labor movement. Yes, you know, and, and as a young person, I never really saw the importance of uh, of uh, the unions because I looked at it from uh, the Hollywood, if you would, perspective. Sure. And it just escaped me until I became a, uh, uh, uh older man, if you would, that yes. fact that that particular movement changed the world, especially when you relate it to the African-American community. A lot of people don't know because they were inside the community and not looking from the outside of the community, but in Detroit, Michigan, you could graduate from high school, get married at 18 years of age, and make an incredible income, you and your wife, just on the overtime. Yes, sir. <laughs> and that really changed some uh, lives. It changed some communities. And, Your uh, Honor, what, what was the pivotal movement uh, in terms of uh, the labor uh, good-paying jobs to pushing us to having someone that my father worked for uh, pretty much all his life, Mir Coleman Young. Yes. Uh, you know, I just remember as a child, you know, again, Dr. Mo Crosby, I was sure. in high school, it was my other father. He took me to play tennis. He got the funding from uh, uh, Congressman John Conyers, you know, uh, who just orchestrated just uh, young African-Americans playing tennis. So I missed everything that was happening, but I saw it from afar. I saw the, you know, the progression, and uh, you were part of that, and you are that. What can you share with us about those times? Well, I, I, I think you've, you've hit the, uh, the very essence of, uh, of the strength that the uh, black community has uh, because it was in many ways uh, brought about through uh, those strong uh, men uh, that you have um, uh, mentioned. Uh, and in fact, um, if my dad and, um, and uh, Mr. Conyers uh, Sr. Um, were part of um, the uh, original uh, Congress of Industrial Organizations, and uh, they were a part. There was a man who 
has not been mentioned as much in the labor history, but he stands out. Uh, his name was Hodges Mason, and Hodges was uh, the very first black president of the UAW-CIO, uh, in that uh, the UAW and the CIO were industrially oriented. The AFL was skilled trades at that time. It was not the AFL-CIO. And as a consequence, Hodges became the very first black president of a local uh, UAW-CIO um, um, organization and was instrumental in uh, organizing the uh, local 600 at uh, Ford's, as were many of the others, John's dad and and of course, my uh, father, and of course, many, many other great names, uh, Buddy Battle, oh. and, uh, and, and so many others. The labor movement was the strength of stabilizing those good jobs. The labor movement was the strength of uh, having women paid equally uh, with men uh, for the same work. Uh, the labor union was the uh, basis of giving to uh, the working class people uh, dignified jobs, uh, getting housing. Uh, one of the things that um, influenced my early life, I was raised in public housing. When my dad got here, uh, you couldn't uh, get housing uh, very much in Detroit as an African-American. Uh, and uh, he, like other families, moved into public housing. And the place that he moved was the very first uh, low-rise brick public housing in America. It was called the Sojourner Truth Public Housing. Yes. And um, there were demonstrations and uh, there were uh, people of um, the Caucasian a race who basically did not want the African-American to have a stabilized, good housing. And there were uh, fights that went on. The men had to stand guard at night to ensure that they were not uh, uh, removed from their, their public housing. And they unified in many ways. Uh, Coleman Young was a part of helping and assisting in that uh, effort, um, uh, various other leaders of that era came in uh, to Detroit to assist, and they marched and demonstrated. This is Roosevelt, uh, who uh, was the wife of uh, uh, President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, came to Detroit to ensure that this housing, which was planned to be built uh, so that the um, African-American people uh, could be housed there uh, to ensure that. And there were many, many issues that were raised just on the issue of housing. So the labor movement got its strength from the movement for equality. And the movement for, for equality wasn't just black Detroit people. There were various good-minded, good-intentioned leaders in the white community who also 
uh, were interested in ensuring equality. But unfortunately, we have as today uh, those who have uh, a white supremacist attitude. And of course, uh, that was what I grew up in and that's what led me in my life uh, to dedicate my life uh, to struggling toward equality and struggling for giving to our race an opportunity uh, to advance itself and to uh, get what uh, they're entitled to receive based on uh, their education, based on their skill set, and not based on the color of their skin. You know, Your Honor, um, oh, what an overwhelming uh, pleasure just to hear you uh, tell the story. Uh, I think of our youth every time I just have an opportunity to do just that because I, I look at my particular path through life and never have I valued uh, those individuals uh, like a, I just think of Judge Edward Bell, okay? I yes. think of, uh, I, I mean, I, 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 these people, I was quite a smart aspirin, quite frankly, okay? I mean, at 16, I really knew more than anybody. All right. And I'm telling you what a flaw I had. But those men, they just wrapped their arms around me. I'm sure they would probably go back in the locker room while I was still in the tennis courts over that Ember Crosby's uh, uh, Detroit Tennis Club and just have a good chuckle and say, how are we going to help this boy? You know, <laughs> how are we going to help keep him on the track? You know, they nicknamed me OJ, you know, because they, uh, you know, just, you know, like that name. And uh, I, I think about that in this um, uh, second episode, second fellowship that I just am uh, humbled to, to go in with you and to frame things. Uh, to our younger audience, this is Black History Month. And what our beloved honor has shared with us is that during the struggle there were a number of our fellow white and European brothers you know that joined in the struggle I was fortunate to live right next door to Jack Faxon one of the first uh, you know uh, Jewish, if you would, uh, Hebrew brothers that basically was in the state legislature. You know, he adopted my brother, who fortunately had the name Odell Jones as well. Just a really good <laughs> name to have. I got the other name. He got Odell. And so uh, was really an instrumental part, you know, of, of really our childhood and the fight and the struggle. So when we talk about white supremacy, it's important for us to 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 let you know that it is what it is. It's, it's not a, um, any type of a statement to be taken lightly. It's just to share with you a different mindset. There are so many brothers and sisters that have a choice. Along the way, they could have been raised yes. a certain way, but they get to a certain level of life and they go, no, uh, no. No, no, this is just not the right thing to do. And in some of our sessions, we talk uh, young people about the right thing to do. It, it's always the hardest thing to do, but you're gonna feel proud after you do that. And we come back, you know, Honest Shakur is gonna talk to us a little bit about that right thing and things that he saw doing his life and then right now give us some tips on how we can move forward, uh, making better choices and understanding that there's uh, a right choice, there's a wrong choice and that's always easy to see. 
But there's always a better choice. And sometimes that better choice is not immediate gratification for what you're doing. That's but great. in the long run, it is there. In conclusion, we're going to talk a little bit about a life well lived. Uh, and we're basically in the midst of greatness, in my opinion. And we want to thank you for your life. We only need 40, 60 more years. So we're looking forward to you. Uh, come on now. You're, well, pre you're, president, you. you're president Biden I'm, right there. I've been blessed. Yeah. I'm 73, and this is my 74th year. And, God um, bless. Unfortunately, I lost a sister at 51 and a brother at 22. So I'm, I'm very grateful to the Almighty for uh, blessing me to still be here and still be able to give uh, of myself uh, in helping others. Yes. And guess when we, when we come back, we're also going to talk a little about the, um, uh, the importance of faith, you know, the importance of prison ministry, uh, some very uh, important enlightenment points we're going to sort of uh, uh, ask uh, your honor to share with us. So uh, thank you so much uh, sure. for joining us. Uh, we'll look forward to our next episode on behalf of the Faith-Based Cause Initiative. Uh, on behalf of uh, really our chair, Mr. Garland, and uh, Dr. Pastor William Revley, I'm Carville Jones, the executive director to the chair. Thank you so much, and we'll look forward to the next time to fellowship.